absolute silence. Okay, hi guys. How how y'all doing? Wait, aren't you the one who's supposed to? Aren't you the one who's supposed to? Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> dude. Obviously, in silence, we're all waiting for you. Yeah. Welcome to Hidden Among Us, episode 12. Hello. Hello Happy there. Sunday, everyone. <gasps> yes, happy Sunday. Even though we're recording this on Hi. Thursday. Thursday night. <laughs> yeah. So how's, how is your week speed? Wait, can I say that Thursday. again? How have Christ. How has... Well, I can't English. How has your week been? Tiring. Just a bit tiring. Yeah, I would imagine. School has been catching up. Yeah, that, that's a bit shitty. <laughs> You're not catching up with school. School is catching up with us. Yeah, yeah telling exactly. myself to be on, on task. Oh, yeah. I have a 2 hour 33 minute movie to watch. Like, telling myself to be on task, but I can't. Oh, my God. I have a lecture to watch, which I haven't watched. What movie is it? Um, the movie is called Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet. It's Shakespeare. So, it's a bit painful because it's black and white. Tao Ti Tai. Black and white can be good, though. Yeah, but it's yeah. like one of those old, old films and it's Shakespeare, so like the language is not like entirely accessible. <laughs> so like I, I've been tapping out. I think I'm like 20 minutes into a 2 hour, 33 minute movie. Aren't you an expert? Wow. <laughs> Am I an expert? I don't know. I actually didn't do this text before, aren't it's you, Hamlet. Aren't you a Shakespeare expert? No, but I do like Shakespeare. Shakespeare's pretty great. <laughs> Just lit people things. Anyway, has anything interesting happened in Singapore? Uh, uh, not really. Oh, interesting thing. I mean, Ghost Festival just started yesterday. I guess <gasps> that's pretty relevant. Seventh month. Yeah. Shen, do you want to do you want to like tell our listeners what seventh month is? Um, I guess it's in like Chinese tradition where like the gates of hell open. So like within the lunar calendar, it's like the the period where um when the gates of hell open, they are kind of free to roam the earth and rekindle with their family. So that's where the offerings part come in, cause like um you're like offering food to them, and also like the candles is like for them to see like the pathway home, mm. cause like distinctively as a ghost, you recognize the candles that your family's put out lah. Yeah, so um, that's the tradition behind it. Um, and also because under the Chinese belief that um, most um, people go to hell, so it's like um, it's like a redemption. And it's why, that's why it's called Hungry Ghost also because like, in hell, you don't really have access to like food and like stuff like that. So um, this mm. is the only month where they can access that sort of freedom and after that, they have to go back and serve their, the rest of their punishments. Yeah, and and if you learn a, or if you read up a lot about like the different punishments in hell, it's actually quite rigorous, lah. So like for example, um, like the the first one that comes to the top of my head is like if you committed suicide in your past life, when you go to hell, you commit suicide every day. So like every day you repeat the process of committing suicide again and again. So you you just keep repeating for a whole year until like yes. until like the hungry ghost month open. Then you don't have to do your punishment, but you can. Um, roam the earth, which I guess is also a reason why like some ghosts can be very aggressive in this particular period. And goddamn, talking about this is scaring me because it's like it's like at night and I'm alone in my room and it's dark and I don't know what's in here, what's out there, but I also don't want to know. 
<laughs> yeah. What yeah. are the kinds of food they offer though? Um, so normally you have a lot of like the dried food, but what happens is that your family would actually go to the temple or like the the place where your ancestors' burials are at. Uh, and then, like, offer them legitimate food. So, at least for my family, we offer what, like, my ancestors love to eat the most, along with some drinks and some sweets. Um, and then, like, um, you normally just talk to them, like, once at the talk. Um, and then, like, the tradition is that you have, like, 20 cent coin and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, like, maybe you wait for about 15 minutes, and then uh, one of you will go and ask, like, uh, whether they finish already. And you shake the coin, and the coin drops. And then, if it's, if I'm not wrong, if it's, uh, up and down, like heads and tails, um, then they are not, uh, they haven't finished eating yet. But if it's like both sides are the same, then they're done eating. So mm. that's when you know when you can pack up the food. So like for normal meals, normally the family will discard them um, or leave it there because I think what happens is that this food actually goes to people who need it. Mm. Um, though there's also a very like huge like thing around it where um, you aren't supposed to eat that kind of food because the ghosts have already eaten them, like your the spirits yeah, of yeah, ancestors. Yeah, yeah. So like they can possess you and stuff like that. Um, there's a the whole element, but I think like out of goodwill, this this food actually does go to like some people who cannot afford like having food. Um, but then like things like um apples and oranges and drinks and sweets, we normally bring home with us and then we eat because like it's like a blessing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you eat it like yeah yeah that that's at least what my family practices. So. Um, if I'm not wrong, on the first and fifteenth day you have to burn offerings, and I think on the fifteenth and the the last day, um, you have to go down to the like the site, and then like um, like worship your okay, not worship but pray to your ancestors. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but mm. with COVID, I think a lot of things are changing. Like for example, um, like for hockey goes like. <laughs> They normally have like Gertai, which is like entertainment for the ghosts. So oh, yes, where like yes. people sing and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's a very big thing and very prevalent yeah. thing in Singapore because there's still a lot of like prevalent beliefs in like the ghosts and like trying to appease their spirits. Um, so, but with COVID, I think everything is live. So, I don't know how it's going to work, but the idea that they're on your laptop at home <laughs> just for the spirit in your house <laughs> to watch is beyond, beyond me, yeah. Yeah, I've also noticed a lot of my neighbors who go down to like do their burning, the burning Correct. of offerings and stuff. They they all wearing Correct. their masks and stuff, so it's like it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it yeah. So you have to be on the first day. So yesterday was probably the day where um most people started burning their um their mm. offerings, and then yeah. I think the next time where you will see big ones is like the fifteen day. So fifteen days from now. Mm. where people will start burning stuff again and normally they burn like what they call hell money mm. yeah so that money goes directly to your uh, ancestors so they can use them during this period oh yeah. okay I just yeah. know that I've always been told that um, when you see ash you're not supposed to step on it because it's, it's yeah. bad luck yeah. but like there's ash everywhere so it's like it's really quite annoying like I went for a night run just now and even I was afraid, like, I didn't dare to <laughs> run where I saw offerings because it's not bad luck that comes upon you, it's, but the, it's the spirit that will follow you home. Oh, yikes, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, especially if you offend them, for example, if you are, um, you step on, like, their food by, by accident, mm. um, you just have to say sorry on the spot make sure that you don't offend the spirit because if you really offend the spirit and you and the spirit can tell then the spirit will follow you home lah. yeah so oh like I remember in secondary school like my friend actually stepped on the whole like joystick 
and he freaked out. He just started, he just kneeled down and he just like says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he was so scared that spirit followed him home. Because there really are instances where spirits have followed people home. And um, sneak peek, my story later will be featuring this issue. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. Yeah, but... Chris will um, never leave a house for like these few days, man. Well, what yeah. makes you think that I'm going to leave my house anyway? Yeah. But it's quite interesting. For I your think. rabbit appointment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true, that's true. Your rabbit appointment. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, thanks for the information about Hungry Ghost Month. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Getting quite... flashback to like the movie, The Maid. Oh, I haven't watched it, but I kind of don't want to watch it. <laughs> oh, you haven't watched it before? No, and I kind of don't want to watch it. Oh, wow. I, I tend to avoid watching horror movies during the seven month because out of seven months, I already overthink so much. During seven months, oh, I don't even know if I can sleep. I mean, in general, I thought you have watched it already because it's like quite famous. Okay, I think maybe I've watched it, but I have erased that part of my memory and I don't want to think about it now. <laughs> <laughs> you just repressed it entirely. Yeah, like I have not watched um Conjuring or whatever. I have not watched it. Yeah, I, I also avoid horror movies, but like I'm taking a class where I have to watch horror movies. But like these horror movies seem quite they're not like your typical jump scary type. They're your like horror movie classics. So they don't tend to be conventionally scary. I don't know how to explain it. Mm, like yeah. almost comedic in some sense. Not really comedic, but there's let's just say they artistically do horror. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, okay, so I've experimented once where like, I watch a horror movie without the sound and it's not scary. It's not. It's really not scary. Which is it's why... It's really just the sound, which is... Wow. Yeah, which is why whenever I'm watching like a horror movie, right, and um, it gets too scary for me, I take out my earphones. Same, that's my trick as well. Mm-hmm. If not, I'll just be covering my eyes and watching the movie through like my, my fingers, like... Oh, I do that too. I do that too. Yeah. It's interesting. Ghost, Ghost, Hungry Ghost Festival is quite an interesting thing in Singapore because uh, on top of like the ghost and spiritual side, it's a very cultural and societal kind of thing mm. where a lot of people blindly follow. Like even I, I'm not too sure of like 100% of the process, but I just follow just based on like my mom because like I want to be able to respect my ancestors. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a very Asian thing as well. Like, you don't you don't yeah. really understand the reasoning behind it, but because it's always been done, you, you tend mm. to do it. Like, I mean, my mom tells me not to cut my nails in, like, after seven. So, when it yeah, gets correct, dark... Correct. So, mm. the thing is, like, when I was younger, I was, like, very rebellious. I was like, I don't care. Like, what can happen <laughs> to me? But then, like, as I got older, I guess it got de- more and more deeply ingrained in me. So now it's like I just don't cut my nails after mm. seven. Like if I'm gonna cut my nails and it, and I know like time is running out, I will go and like quickly chong cutting my nails, mm. <laughs> just so that I'm not cutting it after seven. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So superstition. It's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know, like. Because I'm... Um, so, a more personal story is that my great-grandmother just passed away this year. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, she hasn't really appeared much in my dreams. That's why I haven't really seen her. But I keep praying that she doesn't give me signs that she's out here to see me. Like, like mm. I'd be hella scared, bro. Like, please. My mom had a dream the other day when my great-grandma um, was sitting, like, on her bed, like, telling her to wake up. 
And then I just told my mom, man, I'm going to lock my door every day from now because oh as much God. as I miss her, I don't want to know that she's looking after me. I'm sorry if you're hearing this now, good girl mom. Please don't. Please don't. I don't know so, if this is going to sound offensive or anything. Just So just like call me out. But like, I guess you should burn sage to like cleanse your room. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, but then sage thing is a very western. It is very western. The yeah. salt work. Yeah. Sage yeah. is very western. Um, And Palo Santo, so the cleanse like that energy. That's very like western. And I think in... Like here we do more of like joysticks. Yes, joysticks. Yeah. I know I know in Indian culture, like um they put like slippers around the bed and stuff like that. Okay, also Western this also knowledge is coming from one Tamil horror movie I watched and the guy was like scared of ghosts <laughs> and he put like slippers around his bed. So I don't know how true that is. What does that do? I don't know. Maybe the ghost comes and it's like barefoot and then it sees like the slippers there and it's like, Oh, thank you for the slippers. So it wears the slippers and it walks away. Th- that's this what I that's what I would hope happens. I don't know. I'm kind of excited for Honda's story because she said it's long. Yeah, right. I am really yeah. excited. And and we don't like tell each other what stories we're doing, so it's like a surprise every yeah. week when we record. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited because Honda said hers is long. It Let's is. Let's go, Honda. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Honda. Let's go. <laughs> That is so uncoordinated, but okay. Okay, so this is a serial killer. <gasps> Love a good serial killer. Mm-hmm. From the US. Male, female. Male, from the mm-hmm. US. Okay. And he is also like a really, really famous one. Oh. But not to the point of like, like, like super famous, but like, I don't think his name... It's not like the obvious ones, not like... Ted Bundy. Not like Ted Bundy. No, 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 no not that level. But this one is almost at that level. You almost know, that at kind that level. Okay, wait. I'll tell you that, like, he's known as the co-ed killer. <gasps> wait. Wait, 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 wait. See, wait. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't ring a bell to everyone because Shen is like, huh? <laughs> Wait, I feel like I've heard about the Koei Killer like, like a long, 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 long time ago. No, I don't know. Share his name is Honda. his name is Edmund Kemper. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, that was so loud. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, he he was on what's the name of that show? Mindhunter. Mindhunter. Yes. Okay, I don't know anything you about did, him. You didn't. Do you even watch my? Hunter. I've watched one episode and it was boring, so I stopped. <laughs> no, no, like it's a really slow start, but once you get I into know. it, it's really interesting. I've just okay, never mind. I'm excited. All right, love a good serial killer. Yeah, I know you never watch it. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, Edmund Kemper, also known as Ed Kemper, was born in Burbank, California, in 1948. So yeah, from an early age, he like presented really troubling behavior, and this like my story today is gonna be quite graphic, cause like the things he did is really really disgusting and heinous. He is now seventy one yeah. years old, and one of his most striking features is his height. Okay, as in he like is, was he like short or like super tall? Gigantic. Oh, two point zero six meters tall. Wait, <laughs> hey, I look, know no one this? that is two point. Can you see this? Oh my god, he, he's huge. Wow. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, we so big. okay. We'll post this picture like 
<laughs> on our story or something. But, oh my god, he's huge. I would have to like crane the, my neck no all context, the way. No context. Um, oh yeah, no context. No context. No context things. Oh my god, he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh my god, he's huge. Stop it. You printed that like three times, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to use this recording to black you somewhere. Oh my god, he's huge. <laughs> you doesn't hide all these Oh my god. <laughs> Please go on on now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had to call Chris out on it. Shen ruined it. She ruined it for all of us. <laughs> okay. He had a shaky upbringing because his father, Edmund Emil Kemper II, was a World War II veteran in a loveless marriage with Clarnell Elizabeth Kemper. Mm. So the father was an alcoholic suffering from borderline, borderline personality disorder. And the father used to work on a nuclear bomb test, like, in the Pacific. And one said that the suicide missions in wartime and the later po- atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with Clarinel. Oh, my God. So he it shows, really like, how compared... he thought about his wife. Yeah, he really <laughs> compared atomic bombs to, like, living with his that's wife. Bad. Yeah, that's terrible. She must have been quite yeah. abusive. Mm, she is. So... On the other hand, Clarnell would look down on his husband for his menial job and refuse to coddle her son for fear that uh, coddling him would turn him gay. Wow. <laughs> yes, let's deprive your son of um, affection because affection makes boys gay. What goes on? L- logic. Logic. Error for, for logic. Ma- found. <laughs> his mother was a domineering alcoholic who would belittle, humiliate, and abuse him. It was around this time when he began to act on his dark fantasies as he decapitated his sister's dolls, stalked his second grade teacher while carrying his father's bayonet and watching through her, like, watching through, like, watching her through the window. And at age 10, he killed his family's cat. Okay, okay that doesn't sound as bad. He, he he the details are like even worse. No. He he buried it al- he buried it alive and once he was <gasps> it was dead, he de- he decapitated it, mounted the head on a spike. No oh. He later stated that he derived pleasure from successfully lying to his family about the cat. Oh no He was ten, okay. Animal abuse is just it icks me in a way. That can't be described. And usually annual abuse is like a precursor to yes. like more crimes to come. Yes. And that's not the last cat killing. At age 13, he killed another and kept the pieces of the remains in his closet until his mother found them. Ew. He killed the cat because he's, he like thought that the cat favoured his younger sister more than him. No words. I've got no words. So, in 1957, when he was nine, his father left the family. So, he is left with his mother and the two sisters. And his mom was abusive, right? Mm. Oh, God. His mom, like, even feared her own son due to, like, his size. Just because he so, was big. Uh, yeah, at age 15, he stood at nine, at 193 cm. Oh, my God. At what? 15? Yeah. 
I seriously would have to crane my whole neck just to talk to him. So he would. So the mom made him sleep in a locked basement because he she was scared that he would harm his sisters. Okay, well, she doesn't have like a good track record of being a good mom anyway. Maybe to her his, her daughters. Maybe, but like it's better. Maybe I don't know. Maybe mm. I mean it's not the it's not the best home environment, but she really doesn't like her son. Oh yeah, you can tell that. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> So at age 14, Kemper ran away from home in an attempt to reconcile with his father. And mm. once there, he learned that his father had remarried and had a stepson. So he stayed with his father for a short while until um, the father sent him to live with his paternal grandparents, who lived on a ranch in the mountains of Norfolk, California. So Kemper hated living in Norfolk. He just his grandfather as now and said that his grandmother was constantly emasculating me and my grandfather. Oh, yikes. I guess he doesn't really like the like the like female presence in his life, you know. Like yeah. his mom. No, but at the same time it's like his mom raised him in a way where it's like she didn't even show him affection. And then mm. like now you have your grandmother emasculating you as well it really harms a young boy's psyche mm. so yeah. I'm gonna be moving on to the murders mm, so his okay. <laughs> his crimes span from 1964 to 1973 and in total there are 10 victims oh my god 10 is quite a huge 9 years count. 9 years 10 victims wow okay so, the first murders was in August 27, 1964. And if you remember, he, he moved with his grandparents at, at, in 1964. Oh. Wow, okay. So, okay. he was... He, he was 15 years old. Oh, okay. okay. He was at his grandparents' place and he was at the kitchen table with his grandmother when they had an argument. Mm-hmm. He got enraged and, and stormed off and got a rifle that his grandfather had given him for hunting. And he returned to the kitchen and shot his grandmother in the head and fired more into her back. Oh my god. And also there are like reports of post-mortem post stab wounds with a kitchen knife. Oh my god, he really hated her. Mmm. And the grandfather opinion. returned? Yep, yep. Yeah. And then the grandfather returned from grocery shopping. Oh my gosh, no! Kempo. Get out of there! <laughs> I know. Get out of there! It's like a scene in the movie where you're like, yeah, where you're the you're audience, there. and you're like, no! And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> so Kemper went out and fatally shot him in the driveway. Mm. Wow. Yeah, like, he was unsure what to do, do next. A, the grandfather didn't do anything to him, right? Uh, no, but he, he had a reason. Kind of. Like, oh, his own okay. justification okay, as to okay. why he killed his grandfather. When his rage is, like, directed at the grandma, you know? Mm, okay. So, he was like, he didn't know what to do after killing his grandfather. So, he called his mother, who told him to call the local police. So, he then called the police and then waited for them to arrive. So, after the arrest, Kemper revealed that he just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. Ah. Uh, and <laughs> people like he killed his grandfather so that he wouldn't... So that grandfather wouldn't know that his wife was dead. So that's why he killed the grandfather. Well, 
if anything, at least Was he, he being cared compassionate? for the grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> compassionate. Oh, oh. Compassionate. <laughs> so the punishment, so I'm moving on to the punishment for that crime. So the court psychiatrist diagnosed him as a paranoid schizophrenic and sent him, sent him to a Tascadero State Hospital, which is a maximum security facility which houses mentally ill convicts. Mm. So, but, well, like, however, while he was being in prison at the state hospital, the California Youth Authority psychiatrists and social workers disagreed with the diagnosis by the court psychiatrist. And they also oh. saw that he was very intelligent and introspective, and they measured his IQ. So this is also one of the like striking features of Ed Kemper. So his initial test measured his IQ at 136 and was oh. later given an yeah, he was given another test later which was which measured his IQ at 145. Oh my god, oh, that's, that's high. high. Wait, what is the, an average yeah, person's is. IQ? One two something? Uh, I don't know, I think mine is like Okay, like, I think one. the range is like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like that every day. <laughs> Average IQ score is apparently 90 to 110. High average is 111 to 120. Superior is 121 to 130. Very superior is 131 and, and above. So he was very superior. I'm 150. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. Like, 200. Hey, okay. <laughs> okay, Chris. And... They also re-diagnosed him with a less severe condition called personality trait disturbance passive aggressive type. So why they like decided you know to give him a lesser like a, a lesser you know severe condition was because he was a model prisoner and was liked by his psychiatrist. He even became trained to administer psychiatric psychiatric tests to other inmates. What? <laughs> So, one of his psychi- okay. uh, psychiatrists later said he was a very good worker and that this is not typical of a sociopath and that he really took pride in his work. <sighs> typical things that they would say, yeah. Okay. And, like, something even more shocking was that while in, like, the Atascadero State Hospital, he developed some new tests, some new skills on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. So, like, he was he was even involved in creating these tests for you know to oh wow for like unstable individuals. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. Later on, like after his second arrest, Kemper said that being able to understand how these state how these tests function allowed him to manipulate his psychiatrist and admitted that he learned a lot from the sex offenders to whom he administered the tests to. Wow! <laughs> wow! So, like, for example, the offenders that he would talk to, like, they told him it was best to kill a woman after raping her to avoid <gasps> leaving witnesses. Oh, god damn. I'm just... There's gonna be more, there's gonna be more, Shen. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Okay, hit me with a brick. <laughs> or a truck. Let's go. <laughs> So, he was released on parole on his 21st birthday in 1969 and was released back into the care of his mother. Oh, no. His mother must have been. Oh, (laughs) fuck. 
<laughs> I gave birth not, to a demon. Not again. <laughs> got rid of him for several years and now he's back. And three years later, in 1972, his juvenile records were permanently expunged because his psychiatrist said he was a well-adjusted young man and that there was no psychiatric reason to consider him to be a danger to himself or to any member of society. No, I wouldn't <laughs> do that. Okay, big mistake, I guess. So he, he attended community college, which was part of his parole requirements. And he hoped to become a police officer, but was rejected because of his size. Um, okay. I would think they want bigger people, no? I don't right! Know. Wouldn't you want... He would be so useful. <laughs> Size-wise. To... Yeah, okay. Oh, well. So, like, however, he would maintain relationships with the Santa Cruz police officers and describe himself as a friendly nuisance. He would hang out with them at a bar called Jury Room, which is a popular hangout for local law enforcement officers. So I'm going to like move on to his rest of the murders. Like, he already killed two people and he killed ten in total. So, eight. Mm-hmm. So, between, oh wait, yeah. So he was known as the co-ed killer because most of his victims were female college students. Oh. So between May 1972 and April 1973, that is when he killed eight people. Wow. Oh, yikes. Less than a year, he killed eight people. There's a lot of people. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So, like, his mo- modus operandi, is that how you use it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. So, he would, pick up <laughs> he would pick up female students who were hitchhiking and take them to isolated areas where he would shoot, stab, smother, or strangle them. And he would later take the bodies back home where he decapitated them and had sexual intercourse with the cops. Sexual intercourse with the cops. Yeah. <laughs> sexual intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. It's not working today. Uh, There's necrophilia in... Uh... Some people are interested in that. Shout out to the guy in my class in JC who was into that. He was also into Satan, so you all know who I'm talking about. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> People like this exist in society. So, I'm gonna, like, read out the list of victims. So, the first set of victims is Mary Ann Pesky and Anita Luchessa, both 18 years old. The third victim, Aiko Ku, 15 years old. The fourth victim, Cindy Shaw, 18 years old. Right, the fifth victim, Rosalind Trope, 23 years old. And the sixth victim, Alison Liu, 20 years old. And the last two, Clarnell Stanberg, 52. And Sally Hallett, 59. Oh no, they were young. Yeah, like 15 years old though. Uh, they were all very, very young though. Like even 18 is... Yeah, it's very young. It's very, very young. And, like, even people our age, like, 23, 20. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just really sad. Because most of them were, like you said, they were in school and dorms, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, you go to school for an education and then you have this sicko that comes and just freaking murders you. <sighs> yeah, I'll go in, like, more depth about what happened to them. So, the first set of victims, Mary Ann Pesky and Anita Luchessa. So this happened on May nine oh no May seven, nineteen seventy two, 
So Kemper was driving in Berkeley, California, and he picked up two 18-year-old hitchhiking students from Fresno State University. So it was on a pretext of taking them to Stanford University. Oh. Yeah. So after driving for an hour, he managed to reach a secluded wooded area near Alameda, California, which he was familiar from his work. Uh, he worked at the highway department after like, uh, after being released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where mm-hmm. he gained more like knowledge about how he knew the area and that he saw that there's a lot of uh, hitchhiking students. Mm-hmm. Mm. He handcuffed Pesky and locked Lochessa in the trunk, then stabbed and strangled Pesky to death, then killed Lochessa in a similar manner. Yeah, he put two. He put like both the bodies in the trunk of his Ford Galaxy and returned to his apartment. And he, he was actually stopped on the way by a police office officer for having broken tail light, but the officer did not detect the corpses in the car. Oh, oh my god! Okay. <laughs> so Kemper's roommate was not at home, so he took the bodies into his apartment, and he took photographs of and had sexual intercourse with, and. Yeah, and he dismembered the corpses later on. Oh, wow. He then put the body parts into stick bags, which he later abandoned near Loma Prieta Mountain before disposing of Pesky's and Lucessa's severed heads in a ravine. Oh, God. In August, Pesky's skull was found on Loma, on Loma Prieta Mountain, and an extensive search failed to turn up the rest of Pesky's remains or a trace of Lucessa. Oh, no. The poor family, like, yeah. you can't yeah. even have a proper burial. Yeah, you can't even have a proper burial. Uh, that's the so tragic sad. part about such violent crimes, though. Like, the way you mutilate the bodies, and then in the end, it's like, the families can't even send off their children. Mm. Like, the whole body, you know, it's just, ah, man, you got me emo. <laughs> this is still the first set of victims for his later murders. Oh my mothers. god, okay. So, Aiko Ku was the third... Not third, but... Fifth. Fifth, okay. so The fifth victim. Yeah, the fifth victim Um, on evening on of September 14, 1972, Kemper picked up a 15-year-old dance student named Aiko Ku who decided to hitchhike to a dance class after missing her bus. Oh. Hitchhiking, man. Uh, yeah. Is there even, like, anything good with hitchhiking? I mean, in America, it's a big thing. Yeah, it's a big thing, but that's also how a lot of people end up in, like, really terrible situations. Yeah. Like, I mean, as a woman, I would never hitchhike. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, like, the norm there, though. Yeah, so. it is. It's pretty, it's pretty common there, because it's so big. Yeah, the country is, it's like, huge. huge. Yeah, I mean, unless there's, like, a... You know, you make it clear that you notify people where you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you take down at least the car plate number or something if something goes wrong. Mm. Yeah. So, like, the previous murders, he again drove to a remote area where he pulled a gun on Ku, but he accidentally locked himself out of his car. Dumbass. But 
Ku led him back inside as he had previously gained the 15-year-old's trust while holding her at gunpoint. No! How do you gain trust while holding someone at gunpoint? <sighs> um, she's 15, so I don't think she, you know, really understand what's happening. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. And, and they are, 15 is quite an impressionable age, so yeah, it is. easy yeah. to manipulate. And yeah, very yeah. easy. He's an older man. Yeah. A much bigger man, you know. Yeah. The kind of authority. Mm. <sighs> so, back inside the car, he proceeded to choke her unconscious and then raped her and then killed her. Oh, God. He packed her body into the trunk of his car and went on to a nearby bar to have a few drinks, then returned to his apartment. Wow. And like the previous murders, he back at the apartment, he had sexual intercourse with the cops, then dismembered and disposed of the remains in, in a similar manner as his previous two victims. So I'll move on to Cindy Shaw. On January 7, 1973, Kemper mo- had moved back with his mother and was driving around the Cabrillo College campus where he picked up 18-year-old students Cynthia and Shaw. Mm-hmm. He drove to a wooded area and fatally shot her with a .22 caliber pistol. Mm. He then placed her body in a chunk of his car and drove to his mother's house, where he kept her body hidden in a closet in his room overnight. Again with the closet. Oh my god. <laughs> here's something in the closet. Yeah, here's something in the closet. Maybe he was locked in closet. <laughs> I mean, he was locked in the basement. Yeah, fair enough, fair I enough. guess. Yeah. So, when his mother left for work in the next morning, he had sexual intercourse... With and with the with the corpse and removed the bullet from Charles' corpse, oh. then dismembered and decapitated her in his mother's bathtub. Oh, okay. He kept her seven head for several days, regularly engaging in uromatio <sighs> with it, then buried it in his mother's garden, facing upward toward a bedroom. So, oh, it's like a statement. Imagine, yeah, the skull was looking up at the mother's room. Oh my god. <laughs> After his arrest, he did comment on this. He did that because his mother always wanted people to look up to her. Wow. I mean... That is such a you could literal have, way to do it. like, done something else besides, like, murdering a child. I know, right? <laughs> oh god. Over the course of the following few weeks, all except her head and right hand were discovered and pieced together like a macrobe jigsaw puzzle. Oh my god. Help. Help. It's just brutal. Uh, yeah, it is. But you know, I like talk more about his like um his behaviour when he was finally in prison. Because mm-hmm. he's such a I don't even know how to say it. He's such a like difficult person to like just like think about because mm. he he's really self-aware with what he's doing he's not someone who's crazed which oh. is which is something that is the most creepy about him mm. okay okay i think that sets him apart from other serial killers also with his high iq yeah he's yeah. just he's just very very self-aware and it's very scary mm. i get what you mean mm. yeah and if you watch uh, Mindhunter, 
you can really see oh. like like he's actually portrayed quite accurately if I'm not wrong and yeah yeah the actor, just... actor got a lot of praise <clears throat> for how detailed and he looks like Ed Kemper yeah. himself <laughs> wow okay okay yeah yeah, the portrayal is quite creepy. Might check it out. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so for the next two victims, Rosalind Thorpe and Alison Liu, on February fifth, nineteen seventy three, after a heated argument with his mother, Kemp left his house in search of possible victims. His mother really is a trigger for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With heightened suspicion of a serial killer preying on hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area, students were advised to only accept rides from cars with university stickers on them. But Kemper had a sticker as his mother worked at University of California, Santa Cruz. He, he encountered 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice Helen Liu. Oh, on the US young. on the UCSC campus. UCSC University of California Santa Cruz. Ah, oh I don't think okay, that was okay. what Shan was gonna guess. <laughs> she didn't even guess yet, but I could tell that she was very far away. <laughs> so uh hunting to the camper, Thorpe entered his car first to reassure Liu to also enter. He then fatally shot Thorpe and Liu with his Point twenty two caliber pistol and wrapped their bodies in blankets. Mm. He again brought his victims back to his mother's house. This time he beheaded them in his car and carried the headless corpse into his mother's house to have sexual intercourse with them. He then dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets to prevent identification and the next morning discarded their remains. It's like, I don't even know how to react to this because it's just so unbelievably brutal. Mm. So some remains were found at the Eden Canyon a week later and more were found near Highway 1 in March. When questioned in an interview as to why he decapitated his victims, he explained that the hit trip fantasizes, fantasies were a bit like a trophy. Oh. Yeah, because he saw like the person as the person. With the brain, eyes, mouth, and everything. Oh, okay. Doesn't really make sense, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he saw the head as the absolute trophy, I guess, in the body, of the body. Okay. The head. Because okay. the brain, you know, that's where the person is, I guess, to him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's this argument that, um, I mean, people don't have souls. Like, you are purely just the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are yeah. your brain. So, the last two victims, Clarnell Strandberg and Sally Hallett. So, I think the Clarnell name might be familiar, because that's his mom. Yeah, she remarried, so her surname isn't Kemper anymore. It's, it's Strandberg. Oh. oh, my God. She remarried okay. and then divorced. Yeah. So, on April 20, 1973, after coming home from a party... 50-year-old Colonel Elizabeth Strandberg awakened her son with her arrival. Mm-hmm. While sitting in her bed reading a book, she noticed Kemper enter her room and said to him, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. Kemper replied, no, good night. Okay. He then waited for her to fall asleep, returned to bludgeon her with a claw hammer, 
and slit her throat with a knife. Oh my god. He subsequently, he subsequently decapitated her and engaged in Iromatio with her seven head. What? Iro what? Iromatio. What that be? Do you really want to know? Yes. He, he performed sexual acts with the head. Ah. Like, specifically, yeah, um... Like the brain? No, no, no. The yeah. mouth part. Ah! With his, with his thing. A blowjob. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like a blowjob, but with, with a dead head. Yeah, with a dead head. Interesting, okay. It's interesting. interesting. And what's worse, he, he, he used the head as a dartboard. Oh my god, he really hated his mother. Mm. Wow, yeah, he, he really, really did. And like, I guess from the violent streak, I guess he hated women in general. Mm. Yeah. And, and the things that he did with the body, you know, it really shows like, what, like how he really felt towards women. Yeah. You know? mm. Interesting, so, interesting. He went on and said that he put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour threw darts at it, and ultimately smashed her face in. Oh my god. Mm. Okay, the screaming at it for an hour was kind of funny, and then after that, it just became so unfunny. <laughs> so, he also cut her tongue and larynx out and put them in the garbage disposal. Yeah. Is, is it the... I guess it's like to silence her in a way. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, wait, in America, like, I know that the garbage disposal is it am I referring to the right one? But there's that grindy one. Mm-hmm. Like some households have like this very grindy garbage disposal. Is <sighs> was that it? No. I think so. Uh, so yeah, you, just when you said it, I saw the next sentence. Okay. However, the garbage disposal could not break down the tough vocal cords and ejected the tissue back into the sink. Ew. Disgusting. Uh, Disgusting. Gross. Mm-hmm. Ew. He saw the that. The word ejected makes it gross. <laughs> it's like he popped right out. Ew. So he saw what happened and he said, that seemed appropriate. Ew. Ah, he's so sick. Yeah. What the heck? So he then hid his mother's corpse in the closet. <laughs> Again. And went to drink at a nearby bar. Again. Oh, upon his return, he invited his mother's best friend, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor Hallett. Oh, no. Over, yeah, he invited her over to the house to have dinner and watch a movie. When, she accepted? Like... Yep. Yeah. Okay. When, I mean, she's the next victim, so... <laughs> when Helen arrived, Kemper strangled her to death to create a cover story that his mother and Helen had gone away together on vacation. Oh, wow. Okay. He subsequently put Helen's corpse in a closet again, obscured any outward signs of a disturbance, and then left a note to the police. The note read, Approximately 5.15am Saturday, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. No sloppy mm. and inclome- and no not sloppy and incomplete gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. He's mm. 
He fled the scene and he drove non-stop to Pueblo, Colorado, taking caffeine pills to stay awake for the over 1,000-mile journey. Okay. He had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in his car and believed he was the target of an active manhunt. Okay. Okay, this is where it gets kind of funny, but not funny. So, <laughs> after not hearing any news on the radio about the murders of his mother and Hallett, when he arrived in Pueblo, he found he found a phone booth and called the police. He confessed to the murders of his mother and Hallett. But the police did not take his call seriously and told him to call back at a later time. What the? <laughs> <laughs> and so... Several, hour la- several hours later, Camper called again, asking to speak to an officer he personally knew. Mm-hmm. He confessed to that officer of killing his mother and Hallett, and waited for the police to arrive and take him into custody, where he also confessed to the murders of the six students. Mm. Okay. So, when asked in a later interview of why he turned himself in, Camper said, The original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Okay. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse. I just said to hell with it, and called it off. Okay. Okay. That's like, very strange. Like, he just... He is a very strange person. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he is really strange. I mean, Luckily, he did turn himself in, though, because, like, he does have the intellect to continue this without ever being caught for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he has a record of, like, manipulating people in power, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So, I'll move on to the trial. So, he was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder on eight, May 7, 1973. Mm-hmm. His counsel actually chose to plead not guilty by reason of insanity because it was the only option for defense because he had been very explicit in detail about what he had done. Ooh. Oh my gosh. But like, yeah. you can't even plead de- like insanity for that if he was so detailed. Because he went to a yeah, state hospital so yeah. like before. Yeah, it's so like, it's, it's like, so it's like taking crumbs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like literally using whatever crumbs they can find. He also tried to commit suicide twice while he was in custody. Okay. In the end, he was found to be guilty on all counts, and he actually asked for the death penalty, requesting death by torture. But then, at the time, there was a moratorium placed on capital punishment by the Supreme Court of California, and he instead received seven years to life for each count. So, I'll move on to his imprisonment. So, while he is also, like, like I said earlier, he's very famous for his crimes, but he's also known for how he conducts himself after he got caught and placed in prison. Hmm. Yeah, this is like the really confusing part about Ed Kemper. Because his behavior in like prison is just like hmm. not like what you think a sociopathic killer would yeah. be. Yeah. Hmm. Like he deviates from that checklist of symptoms, you know what I mean? Hmm. Hmm. So he's again a model prisoner and he was in charge of scheduling other inmates' appointments with psychiatrists and was an accomplished craftsman craftsman of ceramic cups. Okay, at least he has a hobby, I guess. Yes, a two-meter tall guy loves crafting ceramic cups. 
yeah, um, to meet a tall serial killer. <laughs> and also, this was like one of the more shocking facts about him. For me, he was a pro- prolific reader of audiobooks for the blind. And in oh. 19... Yeah. <laughs> and in 1987, an LA Times article reported that he was the coordinator of the prison's program and spent over 5,000 hours narrating books with several hundred completed recordings to his name. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? It's just, like, how ca- you can't even comprehend him as a person. Wow. And also, no, but can you imagine, he- like, you get this audiobook and you're, like, reading it and you find out that the person narrating it is, like... You see the name narrated by Ed Kemper. I'm like, like, oh, shit. Like, nervously sweats while listening to it. (laughs) So, uh, also, he participated in a number of interviews. And these interviews actually contributed to the understanding of the minds of serial killers. So, that's where, like, Mindhunter got its, like, um, story plot from. Because the Mindhunter Netflix show is about two FBI um, profilers... Uh, interviewing serial killers and understanding, like, you know, how to profile them Hmm. to use in, like, future crimes. So Hmm. uh, he said that he was forthcoming so that others like himself can be saved from killing people. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you know, other than uh, the Netflix show... Mm -hmm. He also influenced like many works that we see today. One of the more notable ones was um the character in The Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Ed Kemper heavily inspired that character. Oh, oh. interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yes. I, I want to go is... check out the show. Yes, you mm-hmm. should. I know it got like very, very good reviews. Mm. And especially I mean, for the actor, the guy who it's played not, Ed Kemper. It's not like the usual cop show where it's like action, action. Mm. You're rushing to catch a killer. In in Mindhunter, the killer is already in prison and the profilers are just going to talk to them and then you you just gain insights. They're act- and the killers that, show, that appear on the show are actual killers. Mm. So there's two seasons, I think, if I'm not wrong. And then the third season, I think... The show has been leading up to like one of the like, it's wrong to say star killers in America, oh. but yeah, one of the most I think it's Charles Manson if I'm not wrong. They're leading up to Charles Manson in the show. Ooh, mm. Charles Manson is. We have to really cover. Yeah, now I want to rewatch Mindhunter again because like, because <laughs> now that I re- like searched up on Ed Kemper, I wanted to see his portrayal again. Mm. Yeah. I remember there were people doing like side by side videos of the actors yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like it was very very close so creepy he's yeah. so good he's really really so good I'm pretty sure Ed Kemper must be like flattered or maybe not I don't know I mean he wanted to share knowledge mm. of how his mind works so that other killers can that's true I don't know. He's so he's, sick. So he's weird. a very interesting oh individual. You know, when, interesting, I was re- yeah. when I was reading out, this part was kind of funny. Like, he also judged other serial killers. Oh my god. Oh. Wow. Like, because um, he's... Me, he's so in his, smart. In his prison, there were also, like, other famous um, 
prisoners inside. Mm-hmm. Um, the most notable one is Charles Manson. He was in the same prison block as oh, Charles wow. Manson. And a, a criminal called Herbert Mullin. I'm not really sure who this person is. But he he really thought very lowly of Mullin. Oh. So they um Mullin committed like murders at the same time in the same area as Kemper, but he described Mullin as just the cold blooded killer, killing everybody he saw for no good reason. Oh. Okay. And Kemper actually manipulated and physically intimidated Mullin. Because Mullin is like at five feet seven inches, which is hundred seventy cm. Okay. But Kemper oh. is two meters. I mean, Kemper is just <laughs> he's a gigantic tree. That's what he is. So Kemper said that Malin had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch TV. So I threw water on him to shut him up. Then oh. he was a good boy. I'd give him peanuts. Oh, Herbie so like Herbie like peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he asked permission to sing. That's called behavior modica- modification treatment. Ooh. Oh my god. That's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is really creepy. Yeah, it's so creepy. Oh my god. Wow. Okay. But he's yeah, quite interesting. This is the end of my story. Wow. He's quite interesting personality. Quite you can't even categorize him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not black and white. He's not just a craze, like, mm. there's a devil in him kind of thing. Yeah. Because he's really, like, you know, like, almost like a, norm, not normal, but like, a functioning person. Mm. Wow. Thanks for that story. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's so interesting. I want to watch the Mine Hunters. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah, very, very well rated. I wanted yeah. to talk about Ed Kemper because, like, his photo appeared on my Reddit feed. <laughs> mainly, mainly talking about his height, like the picture I showed you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Should I go into my story then? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm okay. scared. My story is kind of really short, but like I wanted to add in like personal experiences. So compared to Honda's story, mine is really, really very short. And um, uh, my story is going to be like from the writer's point of view because I'm just going to read out all the, what the author sent in. Um, like It's a full story account. It's not a very long story, but it's uh, something that is very like it has happened to me before. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it has happened to my brother before, rather. So Ooh. I'll share that, my story um, after that. Okay, so I'm going to start a story from this person's um, point of view. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good night, mommy. I said as my 10-year-old self headed back into the bedroom of my family's five-room flat in beauty, ready to be drifted into dreamland. 1am wasn't a normal bedtime that a girl my age should be sleeping but my parents were never strict on trivial things like that. As the day's occurrences ran through my mind like a home video, I closed my eyes and was prepared to be knocked out the minute my head grazed the pillow. Almost immediately, I heard a shrill, high-pitched laughter belonging to a woman next to my ear. Mm. Nope. Straight up, nope. Thinking that it was my younger brother playing a prank on me, I opened my eyes and sat up, looking behind and under my bed for my annoying brother who was supposed to be asleep in the next room. He had a tendency of doing silly things like that, so I wouldn't be surprised if I were to find him behind my bed, grinning at me. Mm. But strange enough, he wasn't in the room. Mm. My room isn't that big. He can't have hid himself anywhere else. 
maybe I imagined it. I thought to myself, hearts like be racing at this point in time. The minute I closed my eyes a second time, the same spine-chilling laughter began and again, I opened my eyes and sat up. I hate this. I'm saying this story, I can hear footsteps above me, but the room above me is empty. Stop. Stop, <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. For viewers, you're not just hearing like a ghost story from me. You're hearing um, a ghost story in real life right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I felt like the aircon or whatever air just brushed by me on my legs. Oh, I don't even want to. I'm just overthinking. But okay. So by this time, I was beginning to get goosebumps. Nobody else was in the room with me. So who could be laughing? This time, I checked my windows and my door, toying with the idea that it could have been my neighbour from upstairs. Wow, that car. Wow. Oh no. Amazing. Well, you realise that disruptions only like started when you got to your ghost story. Okay, can you not? Chris. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Chris, you're the most scared one. You just like... <laughs> okay, and, and I still have to go downstairs later. Okay, but... Okay. This time, I checked my windows and my door, toying with the idea that it could have been my neighbour from upstairs, who happened to laugh at the same time I closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. But my windows were shut and locked. It couldn't have been my neighbour. By now, I was drenched in cold sweat, running out of logical reasons why there was laughter in my room. Sure, this is the month of the Hungry Ghost Festival, but it can't possibly be that, can it? Gathering all the remaining courage that a 10-year-old girl had, I sped to my parents' room next door, furiously knocking on the door while sobbing and staring into the dark void that was my living room. Dark void, no! After what seemed like an eternity, my sleepy mother unlocked the door. Uh, why are you crying? My mother asked groggily, a look of worry on her face. There's someone laughing at me, mummy, a woman, I replied. Instantly, my mm. mother stood up and accompanied, back, accompanied me back into my room and did something any mother with a traditional Chinese upbringing would do and yelled at a supposed ghost that was residing in my room. Get out of this room, my daughter did nothing to you. Don't bother her anymore. I'm assuming she probably said this in Chinese. Well, the mother's damn brave, dude. It's, it's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Oh my god. Instantly, my mother stood up and accompanied... Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. After yelling at the air for a few more times, my mother fished out a beaded bracelet out of one of my drawers and made me put it on. It was a bracelet my mother got... My grandmother got from a Taoist temple in China. Mm-hmm. I never knew we had such a thing in the house because we weren't religious enough, even though my mom occasionally accompanied my grandmother to the temple. That night... My mother slept in my room with me and I felt more relieved even though she was the one who fell asleep first. Mm-hmm. Still wary, I slowly closed my eyes and the next thing I knew, sunlight was pouring in my room. It was morning. Mm-hmm. I never knew what happened that night but I overheard my mother complaining to my grandmother on the phone that my father was to blame for parking at a vacant lot at East Coast Park the day before where somebody left their incense paper and offerings untended. <gasps> Oh my mm. god. Yeah, oh. so that it's a very simple story, but I felt like I wanted to add in my own personal story to this, which could be a lot more scarier. Um and I think the memory haunts me to today. So, you know, with like traditions of like the Hungry Ghost Festival, there's just a lot of things that you can and cannot do. So mm-hmm. for children, you're not supposed to be out after like ni- like after the sun falls. Because mm-hmm. you know that's when like the ghosts move around the most lah. So um, I remember I was in primary school, and that particular day I had 
what I called stay back on CCA. So I ended really late. So mm-hmm. my helper had to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And obviously, because mm-hmm. it was just my helper and my younger brother, who was, I think, a child, a toddler, like around five, six mm-hmm. years old. So he went to fetch me as well. Um, which means that we were walking home together past, um, like, past the sunset. Mm-hmm. So like, it was really dark by the time we got home, which you're not supposed to do. So mm-hmm. that particular evening, um, my auntie was cooking dinner in the kitchen. Um, I was in the living room sitting on the sofa and my brother was sitting uh, on the dining table. So in my old house, our dining table was structured in a way where the dining table is like against the wall. But instead of a wall, it's actually a mirror. Mm-hmm. So what we normally oh. do is we sit on the table and then we look at our reflections in the mirror. Okay, yeah. I can imagine what that looks like. Yeah. So uh, my brother was sitting at the mirror and he just started screaming like, um, I see, I see a girl, a woman. Um, uh. And then, if, if you can only imagine, he was such a young child, but he had so much descriptions, like wearing white, long hair, there's blood. Mm. Yeah, it's so chills. Today, you can't even see wife chills. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> Do you I remember that scene? Because he was crying and like, no matter how I looked in the mirror, I just like, um, I couldn't see it. But he could. Um, yeah, because he was and, five. And, and children because, are sensitive to spirits, if I'm not wrong. Yes. And also because in my household, it's suspected that my mom and my brother are more obsessed. Like, mm. they, they can sense and see this kind of things more than any of us can. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so creepy. Yeah. And there's like a big mirror in my room. Nice. Um. Okay, close your eyes. There's no mirror there now. <laughs> there's a huge mirror next to me. But yes. Um. So there's a lot of traditions as well. So I I think I've told you guys briefly about this before. But my mom used to have a third eye when she was younger. Mm-hmm. So during her Eagles festival, she actually has seen like people like eat like the jaw steaks and like the offerings along the street like it's an actual thing oh my god which is why I'm especially wary whenever I see like um like the offerings and the jaw sticks because I really don't want to offend them oh sister's so, not gonna take the risk mm-hmm. so what you what should we do if we were like walking by like offerings as like a like a regular person if you don't step on the offerings, then just go on your daily lives. But if you do step, just apologize and say you, that wasn't your intention. Because the thing is, based on like, if you know my mom's accounts of her like actually seeing like ghosts like eating like these offerings, um, then you can just imagine you just step on their food. Like how mm. would you feel, you know? Okay. Obviously, okay. you'll be angry. So you would definitely follow to get like that revenge. Okay. Is yeah, it like... Ah, are... uh, sorry, you carry on. And there are... Shando, I'm scared. Stop. Oh, why did you just turn around suddenly? Because I heard a noise in my room. <laughs> Shan just oh, turned on her light. I just turned on my light. You should have turned on her. Yeah, why didn't you... You weirdo. Okay, wait, oh no. God, I'm going to sleep with lights today. <laughs> so my Bye. question is... um. Is it like wrong if you walk by and like you you look at the the joysticks and the food and stuff like that? Or should you just like keep walking and pretend it's not there? Um, I feel like if you already knew you stepped on it, just say sorry. But if okay. you didn't so, know, so the issue here is if you step on it. The inten- intentionality of stepping on it. Okay. Yeah. So even so it doesn't matter if you just walk by and like 
you don't acknowledge that it's there. Like you, you're not stepping on it. You just know that there is an altar there. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just walk and pretend that it's because it's not your offering. Okay. All right. Mm. Yeah. Mm, sometimes so, the paper offerings are just like scattered on the walkway. Yeah. It's, it's it's really very inconsiderate. But the problem here is that it's. I feel like sometimes debate, it's but... out of co- their control. Like especially like burnt offerings. Because it flies. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, I mean, like there's whole like. The, 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 the intact paper on the pavements mm. and it's just littered with that big piece of paper like yeah. everywhere so it's like even harder to avoid yeah, you're like playing the floor is lava kind of game yeah, yeah. but I think it's, it is it is as the regular person as long as you know that if you were to accidentally step on it as Shen mentioned before like apologize and say that wasn't your intention mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like Loki Lucky, my area doesn't really have much people who practice anymore. Mm. Mine Actually, there does. are like proper sites too, but then the reason why it's still like under history and stuff like it's because they want their ancestors to find their way to yeah. their mm. home so that they can go back and visit their family and yeah. like won't be wondering. Because like if you think about it, especially for those that died like and had like a family when they during this period they would want to come back to the comforts of their home. Yes. So yes. by lighting up like the joysticks and everything, it's like a like the the ghost assumingly can sense it and then follow the light it, where you light it's the like joysticks. A, it's like a guide back home. Yeah, kind of thing, it is, yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh. So so that's why they still do it like outside houses, even though there's like especially in HDBs like there's there's designated areas. So mm. I think especially in HDBs you have realized that they have more designated areas of like the the burning yeah. thing so that they can still do it but in a more you know not a more civil manner because like in the past I remember when I was younger they would just do it on the streets like just yeah. burn it on the streets yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean and yeah. the pollution is tough yeah I think I think it's great that you you informed us about this because I remember even even I used to wonder and think about how it's very inconsiderate that um all these families are just laying down offerings and burning things in like mm. areas where a lot of people walk by but like mm. I never understood like the context behind it and mm. yeah I mean it doesn't change the fact that sometimes it's inconvenient because like you have to watch it is very where, yeah. yeah watch where you're going or like you know patches of grass or whatever is destroyed and like it's mm. it's bad like for example, if you're walking your pet and your pet were to like consume any of it, it's like not good for the health. Yeah. yeah, but for like the longest time, I feel like me and probably like a whole bunch of other people out there have always just felt very inconvenienced without under- understanding why it's that way. Mm. So I think... Yeah, I will understand why too. Yeah, so... I, I do, even as Chinese myself, I think it's inconvenient. <laughs> I mean, I can't say because I'm not Chinese lah, but... Mm. Now that I understand the context behind it, I feel like I can understand a bit better. Yeah, mm. I guess it's just negotiating like the res that respect. For, yeah, like, because cultures. yeah. Then again, we live in an Asian country, and in in our country especially because there's just this amalgamation of so many races. You know, we have to get to a point where we understand and respect each other's traditions and cultural practices. Yeah, mm. not just like tolerate. You know? Yeah, not just tolerate it. Yeah. So 
the one of the best ways in order to like truly respect is to understand like what goes behind these practices and why mm. like things that you first see as like inconvenient or like stuff you like you need to understand mm-hmm. the reasoning why it's done in a specific way mm. yeah yeah, it's been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is an interesting episode. Wait, also, I want to yeah. clarify something <laughs> about what I said mm-hmm. about Mindhunter. Okay. They're not leading up to Charles Manson. They're leading up to PTK. Oh! oh. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, but the third season is on hold, so I don't know if they're ever going to release it. Okay. Ugh, so annoying. Oh, PTK is interesting. Oh, but Charles Manson's also yeah, so very be interesting. Better like release that third season. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things on Charles Manson done already. <laughs> yeah. The, um. Maybe it could be a future. Someone could talk about him in the future. Yeah. <laughs> also, I just remembered an update. Okay, okay, okay. I just remembered this. Um, last week Shen shared the story about the Watts family murders, mm-hmm. and apparently there's going to be a lifetime movie about it. Wow. Yeah. Oh wait, I feel like I saw this somewhere. Um, yeah. It's so movie. weird. Yeah, also it's... In whose by, point of view? I don't know, but it's also Lifetime, so you know it's going to be like a terrible movie. It's seriously going to be like bad, and it's one of those movies where you watch just to pick it apart because it's bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think it's interesting. But also uh, a bit no. strange to me because like this... M- like the family murders are very recent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty recent. Yeah. Don't know why you'd want to make a movie about it, but Yeah. Yeah, I think it's too fresh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But whatever. It's a docu-series, I understand, but a movie is yeah, like it's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. A bit too a bit too sensational to yeah. like for me. Like. As in I have a vague idea of what it's gonna be like. Mm. it's just like very trashy that's the only way for me mm. to describe it it's just like the a very trashy the poor family though the victim yeah and you know like the fam, like for example his wife's family is there as well yeah mm, you know they're gonna see this movie and it just like reopens wounds it's not like, for example, a movie inspired by a criminal that happened like many, many, many years ago and then they decide to make a movie now. Mm, you know, yeah, yeah. in in that case, it's still like, there's time for like healing and stuff like that. Mm. But then this is very recent. So I, I, I remember coming across it on, um for some reason, on my Explore page on Instagram. Mm. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It was just... My Instagram explore page is like mostly like rabbit, 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 and then suddenly lifetime Murder. movie about Chris Watts, and I was like, what? Yeah. So, um, if anyone wants to watch that movie when it comes out, tell us what you thought of it, because we are not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio and whatever podcast platform you listen to.
And you can follow us on Instagram at HAU Podcast. Shoot us a message or send us stories if you'd like. In this special period of Hungry Ghost Festival, if you have any personal <laughs> accounts or stories that you want to share, please share with us in our DM as well. You can also email us at hiddenamongus3 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, every- See you next week. Stay okay, safe, Chris. everyone. Yes, yeah, stay safe. You stay safe, Chris. <laughs> stay safe. Stay uh, safe. Stay healthy. Yeah. And we'll see stay you next week. And sane. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.